You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Currency Cloud's Payments Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lemon, and today I'm with Sean Pop Puckrin, Chief Innovation Officer at GPS. Welcome, Sean. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you for, for having me on board. Yeah, really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for thanks for coming. Obviously, you and I know each other pretty well. Our teams are working very closely together at the moment, but for yeah. the benefit of everyone else, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and of course, GPS? Sure, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm Sean. I look after product and innovation at GPS. So that's really about just making sure that the things that we're building are the things that our customers want and that we're building them in the right order. I mean, that's fundamentally what I do. GPS is a is a you know, what we call a, an issuer processor, which basically means that we sit in between you know the, the card brands that you'll know. So you know, some of our customers, are the likes of Revolut and Starling and Curve, uh, and we sit between them and the payment scheme. So you know, Mastercard, Visa, and we're talking to them, handling all of those kind of uh, the, the the messages from those guys, passing them up to to, um, to to the schemes in through our APIs that make that a simpler, easier process to. Not only manage transactions, but also to create the cards in the first place, manage virtual cards, manage things like 3DS and security and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're really that kind of sort of, you know, uh, unbundled layer that helps, uh, you know, fintechs particularly, um, you know, get to market with cards uh, easier, faster, better uh, and globally as well. So you're the uh, reliable pair of hands, safe pair of hands behind many of the, the, the brands at the forefront. forefront. We like to think so. We certainly like to think that we've enabled them to make the journeys they have over the last few years in the UK, but also now kind of, uh, you know, sort of more globally as well. Great stuff. So what are we talking about today? Challenges scaling up and diversifying in a post-COVID world. Let's try and not make that too dry. But <laughs> your company, GPS, you've grown an awful lot, and I've seen a huge amount of PR and social activity over the last 18 months. Clearly. The pandemic, COVID, hasn't hasn't slowed you get you guys down either. What do you attribute this to, and what what challenges have you had to address uh, in this new normal? Yeah, I think so. Exactly right, Stephen. I think the you know, first and foremost, I think the, the what's happened to the pandemic has been a huge challenge for everyone. The, the 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 ways that different companies have had to respond to that has meant that we've all had to. You know, be nimble, be on our feet, kind of understand what's going on, and, and try and help our customers, you know, you know, run their businesses. And I think that's where we've been. You know, where, where we're proud of ourselves now. We look back over the last eighteen months, and we've been, you know, whatever the product or whatever it is we've done, we're, we're just really happy that we've been able to really respond quickly to our customers' needs. And that's that's the thing that stood us in, in good stead. But kind of, if we get sort of more specific than that, I think there's three things that have happened that. Have, you know, contributed to us being able to remain successful through that period. And I think first and foremost is, you know, a move away from cash to to other forms of payment method, right? I think, uh, and I'm sure you're, you're seeing the same thing, you know, the pandemic has driven, you know, uh, a, a move away from cash and that can only be good for companies that, that fundamentally, you know, a majority of the car-based solutions. So that's, that's, that's been one big, big change. Second part is, you know, our card is just so well embedded in so many different verticals that when, some verticals have struggled through the pandemic, and you know, we're, we're going to come on to talk about that. Where like travel and, and and that sort of industry has taken a big hit. We've seen other industries really kind of you know take off. And so you think of BNPL companies, you think of crypto companies, 
you know, we are powering those guys as well. So, so you know, being well diversified means that you can be, you know, well positioned uh, in in when these circumstances happen, and that there's always opportunities for someone in that. And then I think third, the other thing we've seen is we've just seen our customers be amazing in their reaction to how they've helped their customers during the pandemic. So um, taking features and functions that we provide and turn them into really interesting propositions through the pandemic. So uh, you know, one of the great examples is Star- Starling. They uh, created this kind of concept of a companion card within their, their application. And that companion card essentially allowed um, you know, people to give a, a, a card with tight controls on it to other people to be able to shop on their behalf if they're vulnerable, um, you know, those kinds of things. So like, an amazing feature, you know, but really based off the power of our platform that we've been able to provide them. So if you kind of add those three things together, that's added up that we've been able to, to weather this storm well and, and grow within it and i think that's yeah so we're, we're super proud of that but also recognize that you know uh, we're lucky as well in that you know that we were that we we're in the right place to be able to support lots of things that helps you know uh, the, the people through this process so yeah i mean it's been it's been a you know, tough 18 months for all of us but i think you know we're, we're super happy and i think again like you guys you guys have also been you know been able to grow through this period it'd be interesting to, to kind of understand how you guys have, have done that as well yeah, being in the right place at the right time with 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 shovels to sell, right? I, I heard. Um, it seems I'm all I'm forever quoting Chris Skinner in situations like this, but but I think he 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 made a comment at the beginning of the or uh, well, halfway through the, the the lockdown that fintech had seen ten years worth of digital adoption in the first three months, and and I guess the, the success that you guys have had and, and certainly the growth we've seen is just a personification of that. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm really interested though. I mean, I, I I know what we've been through as a business, but more importantly, as a group of people, we've made some some huge changes in terms of just our ways of working. Some for for much much better. Um, and I, I'm just really interested to to hear what changes you've gone through as as a business from from a from a people level. And you know, what what from your perspective, what, what are those changes that are going to be permanent? Do you think? Yeah, I think you know the that last bit is is the intriguing bit, right? As as the world opens up a little bit, what is the what does the new normal look like? And I think yeah, we're all fumbling in the dark somewhat to kind of know what that looks like. But you know, from when yeah, you know, one again, super proud how we all reacted as a just as a set of individuals to tough circumstances where we're all working from home. Um, you know, and just that that the impact of that you know didn't. For me, kind of like I was amazed how how quickly we got into that that way of working, and that, that the wheels didn't fall off, and that we all got there. And you know, and that's testament to you know not only the individuals in the team, but people who put you know the hard yards in over the years in our uh, IT teams to make sure that you know we're all equipped with the right equipment and can do the things we need to do. So there's all these little things add up to, to to be able to kind of keep the business running. I think you know the, the ways that we work and the fact that we're all sort of online has definitely brought pros and cons, right? Um, you know, pros have been that, you know, I don't, you know, there's no long commute and actually, you know, we've been like having to, to be more effective. And I think loads of people have kind of recognized that actually they can, they can use that time really effectively. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, I think when I spoke to everyone, this kind of weird sort of thing happened to everyone where our days got longer. Right. And, uh, you know, I think the, the line I heard um, that kind of really responded that, that I resonated with, with me was, uh, you know, uh, we're no longer working from home. We're sleeping in the office, right? And I think that definitely yeah, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, sort of rang true. I think, and I think there's this, you know this desire of all of us to kind of like, you know, you can't be have presenteeism in the office, but you want to look like you're always online and that kind of stuff. And we all suffer from that. I think also that kind of 
it's easy to get paranoid within the four walls when you're only communicating over Zoom and all of that kind of stuff. So I just think all of these, so after an amazing sort of initial uh, sort of, this is great, we've all kind of done this amazingly, this kind of small stuff kind of crept in. I think it's the, then you have to be really overt as a business to kind of make sure that everyone feels like they're, they're well communicated to, over communicating to them, encouraging people to, to engage, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so that's that's been the process we've gone through in terms of then what what translates to going forward. Um, you know, I think we won't be working in the office as much. I think, you know, we we canvassed our employees and, and uh, you know, that was a clear story that we got through is that everyone really wants to come back to the office, but no one wants to come back to the office five days. Right. And uh, and there are varying opinions within that. But I think that the future is that we'll be doing more working from home than we ever did. I think the real challenge that we have is that mixed model, right? When everyone's on Zoom or, or Teams or whatever, then it works quite well. Um, when you have half the team in the office, half the team, you know, on on the thing which we kind of like had before, then things break down a little bit. And so I think the the um, the discipline that we're going to have to learn about how we do that mixed model is going to be really, really interesting and challenging as we move forward. I think, you know, I don't know the answers to that yet. I don't think any of us really do, but I think that's that's something that we're going to all have to be really conscious, cognitive, and really, you know, you know be, be very overt about how we're going to handle it, because I think um, that's going to be the toughest challenge. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing to myself here, because it's like you, you're, you're just regaling the minutes of one of our management meetings, almost verbatim. We had the same discussion, same conversations. doesn't matter. We, we, we actually can't have everyone in our office. We, 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 we like you, we, we grew through the pandemic and um, <laughs> we, we no longer have sufficient space. Uh, and in fact, we've repurposed the office, so it's just now a place you go to collaborate. But, but the key thing is no mixed mode meeting. Um, okay, let's move on. So it's probably obvious why we're talking. We're, we're collaborating on... FX and payments and, and in, in, in the car space. From your perspective, how, how important is cross-border and uh, international payments uh, from, a, from, an inter, from an issuer's point of view, from a fintech's point of view, uh, in terms of accelerating their bottom line? How would you value that? Yeah, so, I mean, first thing to say is it's super important, but I think, yeah, yeah let's dig into it a little bit. I think the, you know, as I sort of said, Previously, we're, we're really lucky that we've got a very diverse set of customers, but actually one of the things that's becoming universal to all of those customers is, is a need to have an offering in this space. So whether it's cross-border, FX, those kind, of, those kind of things, right? So it's now no longer sort of acceptable to kind of just be entirely like we do this one thing. You've got to be able to provide lots of services within that. And also then you have a subsegment of, of that market that is you know, very much heavily on cross-border uh, and FX, but yeah, the ways that that manifests itself in our customers' you know, offerings can be can be you know, vast and, and huge. And that's one of the great things about our businesses is that we provide expertise to them. We us for cards, you for 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 um, you know cross border payments and FX, and together we can you know create really interesting, compelling solutions for our customers. Um, so you know whether that's you know the the you know, standard kind of multi wallet FX solutions that we've seen from some of our. Um, you know, some of our joint customers, but kind of packaging that up in a way that allows our customers to take that to market more easily, or whether it's, um, you know, uh, you know, B2B payments for businesses, whether it's remittances for, you know, um, you know, we have some great customers who do, you know, uh, work, um, uh, uh, payroll cards. And so then people wanting to use that money to then pay people abroad. You know, there's so many different ways in which, you know, we can leverage the services that we jointly are paying together 
to create compelling customer experiences. And then, you know, to your point about the bottom line, the great thing about these, these services is that they are services that people value, um, you know, quite rightly. And therefore, there is a way to, you know, a, a fair way to generate revenue from them. People expect to be able to pay for those services, not, you know, the, the, the rates they've been paying in the past where it's been somewhat sort of, uh, you know, the, the traditional banking model has, you know, definitely abused, you know, cross-border payments as a, as a way of making money. I think, you know, with, with the fintechs that we're working with, we're seeing them, you know, provide great value, great services uh, and charge a fair amount for it. And, and that's really important for the fintech, right? Because a lot of them have grown on VC money and therefore, you know, haven't you know, have captured great customer bases, but are now trying to work out how to monetize that. But they're trying to work out how to monetize that in a way that customers recognize and value as well. And, you know, FX cross-border payments are, you know, one of the best ways to do that. And so, Hence why we, you know, you know, we're working together and collaborating on this, but the, the, the interest is there from our customers. One of the things that we're talking about, one of the things that we openly speak about is what we're creating is a challenger bank in a box solution. How do you think, what does that mean to you? How do you, how do you think that helps fintechs get started? What, what are the benefits to, 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 to new, new fintech businesses, new issuers that want to, want to start and what opportunities will it afford them? Or even even incumbents that want to offer a parallel product to their existing lineup. Yeah, I, you know, the, um, I think you know, the, what we've seen with the likes of Revolut and Curve and Starling and, and all of these great companies is that they've, you know, for incumbents and for new entrants, they've set a bar really high now of, you know, it's now not so easy to come into the market with a new proposition that doesn't have lots of those features, right? So, you know, if they, if, if you know, in the combination of RT companies can help bootstrap them to, to be able to have those, that functionality. But that means even if their focus wasn't on this area as a, as a primary use case, you know, they don't look deficient in terms of being able to kind of get to the market quickly with a really compelling solution. Now, they might have, you know, and I think the future of, of fintech and banking is, is highly specialized services, but that, um, that hygiene factor of services you need to be able to offer to, to, to be credible is getting higher and higher. And so, you know, by, by putting more of this stuff pre-packaged together, we really enable those, those companies to do that. I think your other two points are really bad as well. So you've got incumbent players who now are sitting on, you know, legacy tech stacks that, you know, are hard to change. I've, I've worked in, in big businesses where, you know, it's not because it's bad people or anything like that. It's just, you know, you've, you've got a tech stack that's evolved over 20 years. That gets hard to change, right? So, so being able to then work with trusted third parties who are established regulated who know you know that are not just a small startup but actually established fintech companies in their own right in the uk um you know can help those incumbents again be able to compete and react to to the to the upstarts in, in the market so that so the new players or, or the sort of the new established neo banks as well and then thirdly the other thing that, that we can do is that we can enable a whole new set of companies to, to enter the market right so so the the, the anderson horowitz kind of line of everyone's a fintech I think is going to be you know more and more true, right? So, um, you know, anyone who's got an established brand, an established community, can start leveraging package solutions with the likes of us to start offering new compelling services to their customers. So, you know, adding if you're a, a travel brand, if you're a, a, a gaming brand, if you're a um, you know a high street retailer, or whatever, you know, you're being able to then off, use that 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 to offer financial services to your customers becomes you know something that that is is much more viable. When you've got partners like us to be able to help you to get to market, than having to try and pull that stuff together, or you, you know, traditionally you might have had to go to one of the big uh, financial services providers, and again, you're competing 
with big banks and rather to get attention, you know, whereas, you know, we're geared up far more uh, to be able to service those types of customers and, and listen to their needs and build the right products for them. Yeah, you're talking about embedded finance. There's an awful lot of narrative on that at the moment. I like to play the game, actually. Uh, it, 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 people have been talking in, in fintech and, and on the conference circuit, been talking about, you know, the American big technology companies, the, the Googles, the Apples, the Facebooks, et cetera, moving into financial services and, and, and offering banking services behind their brand. But so much so, in fact, it's almost a cliche now, isn't it? But what other brands do you think, you know, major household brands do you think would would embrace this? And more importantly, what other what are the brands that you think could actually carry this off? What, 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 who, 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 what organisations out there have an affinity with their customers? I don't have it. I don't have a particular affinity with with my bank. You know, one of the high street big four. I've been I've been with them since I was eighteen, so a very long time. Um, but I don't feel committed to them i've just got a dysfunctional relationship and i never speak to them when i'm complaining about something um but what brand would resonate with you if 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 i don't know nike turned up and said hey go sean here's some banking services what what non-financial services brand would resonate with you to 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 make you make the move yeah i'm, I'm probably the uh a bad example because i'm a you know uh, i'm getting senior in my years and uh you know <laughs> and therefore probably a little bit dull but i think the um, you know, I think the, the, it's it's brands that have communities, right? And that's again, that's, I, I risk sounding a little bit trite and a little bit cliched, but if you know, the I always think about um, this in the example I always throw in is like, oh, is is banking and financial services like dating apps, right? So if you look at dating, it's highly verticalized, right? So you know, there's dating for you. You, know, you do you like people who? in uniforms right or you know particular the reason that works is because it's important to me in those communities that people in that community are like me and understand my needs right so i think about financial services in the same way right which is do financial so is there a reason in those financial services to um to, to be able to offer things that resonate to a community and so you know there are already great examples there where you've got so we're seeing brands you know, in the US start to support the LGBT community. And so we say, well, why does that matter from a financial services perspective? Well, actually, if that bank allows me to choose my pronouns in a, in a form, actually, that does matter to me. And so there's, you've already got reasons where that, that makes sense. You've got Islamic finance, you know, whole world there with different rules and regulations and things that are uh, set up about, about that, those things. You've got, you know, so that's kind of one set of things about sort of, you know, beliefs and, and, uh, of a community. You've got other things where where does that money need to play, right? And so I think, I think one area and one of our customers that, we, that we've been working with recently is Razer, um, who are a huge gaming uh, brand in Asia. You know, they have a huge community around gaming, right? And so that, and they um, have, you know, essentially um, uh, currency that can be spent in gaming, uh, which is huge. I mean, you know, Fortnite, if you see, one of the great things, I don't know if you've been uh, paying attention to the, uh, epic apple um uh, legal i think some amazing sort of numbers have come out of that so nine billion pounds was spent in Fortnite over the last three years right which is just phenomenal right so baby so that's a whole economy there right that, that can and so at the moment that's all money in it gets spent in the world but if you think about you know what razor are doing with their razor gold program is kind of having you know a currency that's going to be spent in games but also then leveraged uh, in the real world and you know, money in and out of that 
So there you've got a huge community with a real reason to have an embedded financial service like like uh, with a card. And the great thing about card in those models is that it's the it's the it's the it's the acceptance of card around the world that makes it a great in and out product to there. You've got crypto communities. You've got all of those all of these things, all these communities where being able to support it with financial products for lots of different reasons becomes you know super interesting. So I haven't answered your question about what brand personally resonates to me. Um, you know, at the moment, uh, it's probably something that uh, would, um, I don't know, it's probably your own gaming because that's my only, that's the thing that I do, right? So, uh, yeah, if, um, uh, if Corsair decided to um, offer, uh, you know, um, a, 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 a finance product, I'd probably buy it off them. But I think it's, I think the, the really important thing is that it's really, it's starting to get really unique, but it's not, it's not just, the brands that will be successful is where there's a real need and community as opposed to just slapping, you know, something you know, not particularly meaningful on an existing product. That's really interesting insight, and I, like, I think your your point about brands that have a sense of community around them that I think is central. So, look, continuing, I think final final point, and continuing with with the theme that we're kind of touching on at the moment. And look, I get asked this question a lot when I'm on the other side of the table. And and given that you're chief product officer, I'm going to particularly enjoy having your insight on this. But what um, what predictions have you got for well, for cross-border in the context of you know, challenge banks, as we're talking, but 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 the ecosystem in general, where where, where next for where next for the uh, the, the cross-border ecosystem in 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 the in the context of post-COVID? Well, that is a tough one. Just going. To <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I think uh, I may not have the, the smartest answer, but I think you know, um, somewhat related to what we discussed already. I think that I'm excited about what what our customers and what and what innovators can do with these tools because we're going to be able to give it to them in a way that they couldn't have it before right and so to a certain extent, i'm copying out of the answer because i'm going to i'm going to leave it to smarter people to work out because actually what we're doing is kind of allowing them to play with these tools and 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 before they have not been able to do it and so you know being able to offer great rates you know through you know great apis and great service that, that we're going to jointly offer to a whole bunch of fintechs in the world. They're going to come up with some really cool, amazing things that, that we're going to do it. But I do think, you know, if I had to pick some themes, I think, you know, that this, the, the democratization of cross-border payments is really, really important. I think, you know, whether it is, and I'm kind of pushing it further and further into the customer base so that anyone feels that they are enabled. It's not something that's, that's difficult or expensive, that everyone can, can do it. So whether I'm paying family, I'm paying fees for a service, whatever, it's that, that that transparency of what I'm going to pay and that I can pay anyone is just going to get more and more and more. We've already seen huge strides in the last five years on that. I think we're just going to see that continue, right? Um, and that just means great opportunities for businesses to offer services you know, around the world because they can get paid uh, in ways that, 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 that make sense and that aren't too difficult for them. Um, I think, you know, having said all that, you know, regulation will, will still come, right? And so, again, the companies who are going to be the most successful are the people who can navigate that, that regulation whilst at the same time being able to offer those services. And so, um, you know, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the crypto space around here because it's kind of one of the things they sort of, crypto sort of seems to kind of dodge the regulation for a bunch of reasons, but I can't imagine that that isn't going to catch up with them. And therefore, how is that going to play out in, in, in this kind of cross-border world? Because, you know, uh, what goes alongside all of that is all the AML sanction checking, all of that kind of stuff. And so the, the companies that can embed those technologies and, but make it still slick and, and useful to customers are going to do amazingly well because the demand is there 
we've got to kind of just deliver the products and services that help companies you know get there as well yeah good stuff so look sean as ever as always is the case that was a lot of fun thank you thank, thank you for joining us today thank you for taking the time um if anyone wants to find out more about you or gps how do they get hold of you so I'm at Parkrin on Twitter, probably the best place to get me, but um, and LinkedIn, but at globalprocessing.com. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you have any sort of, uh, you know, needs for issuing uh, cards, you know, we are the, we're the right people to speak. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Fantastic insights. Thank you very much, Sean. Have Thanks, a good day. You too. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.